Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome to Know Your Bible. Glad that you've joined us today in our Bible study. And uh, we're going to try to answer as many questions as we can. And the interesting thing for somebody that's not seen this program before is we're going to answer your questions. Uh, that's what this program is about, answering Bible questions to help folks know their Bible better. And we don't know a better way to do that than let you tell us what you wonder about. So we've put a phone number and a website on the screen. You can use those anytime. Uh, if we're not around answering phones, we'll have a answering machine. You can leave us a message uh, and tell us, here's what I'd like to know about the Bible, and we'll get an answer to you as quickly as we can. Uh, if you send us your email address or send a request on email, uh, go to our website and you'll find the contact. You'll get an answer very quickly uh, on the air. We'll put them in our stack and get to them just as quickly as we can, but always takes us a few weeks to get to them. So that's the way we operate. And give us a question. We'll try to find a biblical answer for you. And my partner in all this is Toby Levering. Good morning, Toby. Good morning, Steve. I'm Steve Tandy, and we've got some answers ready for you, so we're going to get going. But always start with a question for our viewers. Uh, King David had a number of different jobs in his life. What was his first job? And we'll uh, give you the answer to that at the end of the program and see if you knew that little bit of history about David. Looks like I drew number one today, so let's get started. Uh, why do churches pick and choose what to believe from the Old Testament? Uh, interesting question, the way the viewers stated it, and I think what they're asking is, all right, some churches say uh, this part of the Old Testament, like diet or days to worship or something like that, this church says we've got to follow this Old Testament uh, principle. And some churches say, no, that's in the Old Testament. You don't have to follow that. And then there's some things in the Old Testament that nobody uh, says we ought to follow. Uh, we don't stone uh, uh, thieves anymore or stone adulterers. Uh, nobody says we ought to do that. Uh, so, viewer says, well, how do you pick and choose? Okay, and I think the basic problem is a misunderstanding of what the Old Testament and the New Testament are. And uh, we talk about that a lot on this program because that's where a lot of our questions come from. Uh, the Old Testament was an old covenant with the Israelites, and it was God's way of training them as they came out of Egypt and grew up into a nation, mighty nation. Uh, bear in mind, they were a very tribal society, uh, shepherds and wanderers to some extent, and God was instituting uh, principles of morality and behavior, and so he made all kinds of laws for them. And that was for them, and then when Jesus died on the cross, that old covenant was nailed to the cross, is what Jesus called it. 
And we were under the new covenant, which is different. Uh, we don't have all the detailed behavior laws that the Israelites did. Uh, we do things differently. We're able to do things differently. Uh, there is a purpose for the Old Testament, but it's not the law that we are under, that we're susceptible to. Uh, let me read you the purpose of the Old Testament now that we're in the New Testament days. Romans chapter 15, 4. Paul said, whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So the Old Scripture, the Old Testament, Genesis through Malachi, they're good for our instruction. We learn a lot about it. We learn about God and what, who He is and how He deals with people and how people fail to trust Him and what happens when they fail to trust Him. We learn all sorts of things in the Old Testament, but we don't have to follow the Old Testament laws. So that misunderstanding causes some churches to pick and choose, as our viewer said, uh, if they just decided the Old Testament this, the New Testament's this, uh, there wouldn't be some of that confusion uh, and picking and choosing, as our viewer says. Uh, okay. A viewer wants to know, they have a where is it in the Bible question. Where does it say money is the root of all evil? Well, it doesn't say that. I know a lot of people think that it says that in the Bible, but there's a, a key word there that's kind of missing. And uh, it, uh, let's look at this together. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 is, I believe, the verse you're getting at. Uh, For the love of money is a root, a root of all kinds of evils. And I want to just point out before I read the entirety of the verse, uh, it's not the money, it's the love of money. And it's not that money is the root, it's the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. In other words, money is not the only reason and motivation that people sin, and it's not the money, it's the love of money. Paul goes on, it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. Another translation says, with many griefs. Okay. Uh, money is really not the point. It's the the point is our attitude towards money. Uh, there are many God-fearing, God-loving Christians who have lots of money. Uh, they just don't let their money have them. Have creates more responsibility and <clears throat> more things that they have to manage and more decisions to make and all of that. But it's not wrong. There are many people, men and women alike, in the Old Testament and the New. Uh, that were that by the standard of their day and by the standard of our day, very wealthy. Uh, it's harder. It's difficult. It can be a distraction quite easily, and I think that w is what Paul is saying. So, uh, money is not the problem. Uh, in fact, you can have money. Just don't let your money have you. First uh, Timothy chapter six verse ten is what, where you'll find the accurate rendering of uh, that misquoted, common misquoted phrase. All righty, got a. Well-worded question, or interestingly worded question. Viewer says, was the jailer in Acts 16, was he baptized because he was saved, or was he saved when he was baptized? Well, if you watch this program much, you know we get a lot of questions about baptism because there's a lot of confusion about it, and people ask a lot of questions. And this one's for us thought of a new way to ask it. Uh, Tell me about when this happened. And when I read that question, I thought, well, we need a timeline here. 
kind of like an old Perry Mason show. Uh, you lay out the timeline and you see what's, what's happening when. So if you go read the story about the jailer, it's in Acts chapter 16, and I made us a little timeline here, so let's look at it in Acts chapter 16. It starts with the question, the jailer says, what must I do to be saved? Well, the answer from Paul and Silas was believe. Uh, that's kind of the big overall answer, the general answer. Well, if you want to be saved, you got to believe. And if somebody told me that, I'd say, well, believe what? Well, that's when the story starts. And action one was, they spoke the word of the Lord to him. They told him about Jesus. They told him what he needed to do and all that. Action two, after they'd told him, it says he was baptized at once. And action three, after the baptism, he rejoiced that he had believed in God. Well, you look at that timeline and go back to our viewers' questions. Was he saved before he was baptized, or was he saved when he was baptized? Well, he didn't rejoice until after he was baptized. He was baptized immediately after he was told the good news about Jesus. So I think it's pretty clear from the timeline uh, that he was saved when he was baptized. Now, if that was the only story, we might argue with it, but every the story of conversion in the New Testament follows the exact same timeline. Uh, there's a story about the fellow from Ethiopia, the eunuch that Philip went to preach to. He was reading the Old Testament. He was reading about the Messiah, and he didn't know who the Messiah was. So Philip got in the chariot with him, and the first thing he did, and this is in chapter 8 of Acts, verse 35, he told him the good news about Jesus. We don't know what all he told him, but we know one thing he told him, because the next verse, 37, says the eunuch, after he heard the good news about Jesus, saw some water beside the road, and he said, well, here's some water. Why can't I be baptized? We know what Philip told him in the good news about Jesus. Verse 38, Peter and the eunuch went, I'm Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. Philip baptized him. Verse 39, the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Same timeline every time. You hear the good news about Jesus, you're baptized, you rejoice. So I hope that answers our viewers' questions of, of exactly what happened when. Let me take this moment and invite you to study the Bible with Know Your Bible study tools. We've got a lot of them, and they're good ways to get into some Bible study form a regular habit of Bible study. I know a lot of our viewers already have a good habit, but some of you don't, and here's some good ways to start. We've got a course that we'll send you in the mail, absolutely free of charge, explains the Old Testament, the New Testament first, and then a lot of the other basics of the Bible, good overview of Bible study. Then we've got more detailed courses that we'll get to you. Uh, you can learn a lot about the Bible with Know Your Bible Study Tools. And we've recently added some different studies that uh, we think give you some more options, especially if you'd like to study online. We've got some online courses now. You just log on to oneway.worldbibleschool.org, and it'll tell you how you can study with uh, some paper courses or on your uh, tablet, PC, phone. Uh, do it online. Great way to, all of them, good ways to study the Bible. So. 
phone number website on the screen at all times. Uh, that special website, use that if you'd like to try the online ones. We'll get it started for you and you'll know your Bible a whole lot better. A question about hell. Uh, will people know each other in hell? And the answer is to my answer to that is I don't know. <laughs> Not a hundred percent sure because the Bible does give us some some detail but very little uh, about hell and really for that matter about heaven. Um, the closest we might have to it is Luke chapter 16 but Luke chapter 16 is describing the story as Jesus told it of the rich man and Lazarus after they died and my view of it is that Abraham and, and Lazarus were in uh, Hades, the realm of the dead, which is not which is different from uh, hell and heaven. It's, uh, that's a, another question altogether. All but uh, in that story, uh, in verse 22, it says that the rich man, verse 23, in Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus by his side. All right, in that instance... <clears throat> at least in the place of torment, the rich man was able to look. He knew who Abraham was. He knew who Lazarus was. He certainly understand that he was in torment. But again, <clears throat> uh, whether that carries over into eternal hell, the Bible doesn't say precisely. Uh, it doesn't give us uh, any more detail than hell's a terrible, painful, agonizing place, and we don't want to go there. So, uh, the Bible doesn't say, and we don't like to speculate much outside the Bible. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus said, Do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Whether we'll know each other or not in uh, the uh, hell and heaven, the uh, Bible doesn't give us a lot of detail, but it does make clear that hell is a place we want to do whatever we can to avoid going, and heaven is a place we want to go no matter what it costs us. hope that helps. All right. Question about Melchizedek. <clears throat> Who was Melchizedek, and how could he have no mother or father? Well, if you've never heard about Melchizedek before, that's probably a weird question. Uh, how could anybody have no mother or father? Uh, well, Melchizedek's a mysterious fellow, let's put it that way. Uh, and let's read the verse where our viewers got the, uh, got the idea of no mother or father. It's in Hebrews chapter 7 is a summary of Melchizedek. Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God. He is without mother or father or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God... He continues a priest forever. Well, if there's a mysterious verse in the Bible, that's a mysterious verse. Uh, Melchizedek doesn't start. He doesn't end. He's like the Son of God. He's a priest forever. Had no mother or father. Uh, we don't know his genealogy. That's mysterious. Now, he, the writer of Hebrews may be, and by the way, Melchizedek, was a priest that Abraham encountered and paid tithes to in the Old Testament. But we're not told much about him. So the writer of Hebrews says this is what Melchizedek was like. 
some people think the writer is just saying, we don't know anything about him. We don't know where he came from. We don't know when he died. We don't know if he, who his parents were. Uh, so maybe he's just saying that, that we don't know anything about it. But it seems a little more mysterious than that since he said uh, he's like the Son of God. In fact, some people think uh, Melchizedek was actually uh, Jesus in a pre-incarnate form uh, before he came to earth as Jesus of Nazareth, that he appeared to Abraham as the Son of God and called himself Melchizedek. Uh, some people think that, and I guess that's entirely possible. Uh, fact is, we don't know anything about Melchizedek. It's just as mysterious as the Hebrew writer says he is. Uh, he did exist. He did receive tithes from uh, Abraham, uh, probably the key passage there is that he is a priest of the most high God. There were lots of gods in those days, uh, lots of individual false gods, and Melchizedek was a priest of El Elyon, the most high God, the, the, the real God. So that's all we know about him. Uh, we don't know if that just means we don't know about him or if he really was pre-incarnate Jesus. So can't help you much on that beyond what the writer of Hebrews says. <laughs> we take this moment and invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. We're sponsored by the Churches of Christ, the Northside Church of Christ, and Wichita, Kansas provides this, produces this program. Uh, but we get a lot of help from other Churches of Christ around the viewing area. Uh, and here's a couple close to Wichita, south of Wichita, the Derby Congregation and the Wellington Kansas congregation, both of them uh, strong groups of Christians that support this program and we'd invite you to drop in and visit them, especially if you're looking for a church home, you'd find some folks that would welcome you warmly and they study and think about the Bible like we do on this program uh, maybe you know somebody that goes to the Derby Church of Christ or Wellington Church of Christ and uh, tell them at work or school or wherever you know them that, hey, I was watching Know Your Bible the other day and saw your program you help support. We appreciate that. So add your appreciation to ours and whatever markets you live in, you can probably find a Church of Christ near you. I invite you to drop in and visit them sometime. Tell them you heard about them on Know Your Bible. All right, who, who's got the next question uh, here. I have the next one, and it's a question about drinking wine and how that happens in the Bible or not. Is the wine in the Bible alcoholic or not? Some use this as an excuse to drink. I'm confused, and I totally agree with the last uh, two words. Uh, alcohol can be a bit of a confusing topic. Um, first, to start out, you know, the Bible is very clear and warning us against uh, alcohol and certainly saying that drunkenness, um, giving yourself over and losing your total control of your physical body and your mental processes, doing things that you regret, doing things that you shouldn't do uh, under the influence of alcohol. So the Bible is very clear about warning against that. Now, uh, there is an attitude not just with alcohol, but with most any anything. And one attitude is, okay, I want to avoid this as, as as stay as far away from it as I can. And the other extreme is, how close can I get to to this behavior uh, and still be considered okay? And depending on which attitude you come with, 
uh, you'll find verses to support your position either way. Uh, biblically speaking, wine is fermented grape juice. Uh, the longer it ferments, stronger it gets. The more alcoholic it gets, um, and there are places in the Bible where people got drunk off wine. Probably the uh, one I immediately comes to mind, but there are many, uh, is Noah. Genesis chapter 9, after he uh, the ark landed, uh, Genesis 9, 20 and 21 says, a man, Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. Um, so it was alcoholic to some degree. He uh, certainly could drink enough of it where he got drunk and uh, did things that he would regret. Um, when we talk about wine in the Bible, it is different than wine today. The distillation processes are way different. So when you ferment grape juice, essentially, when you allow it to ferment naturally, it takes a lot more time and the concentration of alcohol is still much less. Um, when they do it in a processing plant or factory, making wine uh, in modern with modern methods, they can increase the percentage of alcohol to a much make it a much stronger wine than people in the Bible would have ever understand. Both are dangerous, and both can still uh, get you drunk, and both can still be a problem. Um, let's go back to the Bible. Uh, the Bible just warns us against alcohol. And it warns us that it is a problem. It's a problem because it affects your mind. It causes you to lose your inhibitions and to not have self-control. And that's really where it becomes a problem. So um, I can't find a verse that says you take one drink and it, that's a sin. But there's a for every person is different. But I think generally speaking, uh, the Bible says eh, best to just avoid it stay away from it you won't have any regrets i'll put it this way uh, by avoiding uh, alcoholic drink so people are going to argue it either way uh, probably because they have preconceived ideas and they want to justify their position when you look at the bible honestly it really doesn't have much in the way of saying anything good about alcohol uh, proverbs chapter 20 verse 1 is a verse we'll look at on the screen wine is a mocker strong drink is a brawler and whoever is led astray by it is not wise hope that helps you a little bit yeah there's a lot of research and studies about the history of wine and strong drink and all that and i think the one thing you can say for sure is it's different today than it was for sure uh the jesus story about making the wine at the yeah. wedding uh, the new wine was better than the old, than wine. The old wine mm -hmm. uh they grape juice was better than fermented wine right right yeah <laughs> but they didn't have a way to control the fermentation and keep pasteurized grape juice and all that uh and sometimes I tell kids that, you know, back in those days, grape juice, wine was, man, that's the only option to water. Mm -hmm. uh, today, you walk in a quick trip and there's sure. 4,000 kinds of Gatorade and Powerade yeah. and this and that and the other. Uh, in those days, you either drank water, which sometimes wasn't too good, right. <laughs> or you drank grape juice. Yeah. Uh, and yep. if you let it go bad, it got bitter. It wasn't, it wasn't as good. So different today and... Today, of course, we can distill spirits and make mm -hmm. 
almost pure alcohol mm -hmm. that people drink for some reason. <laughs> All right, another question. Was Jesus circumcised? Easy question. Definitely he was, and the verse is Luke chapter 2, verse 21. I can give you, uh, at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So like every good Jewish baby, he was circumcised at eight days old. Uh, and just while we're talking about that, it's a very interesting number uh, because thousands of years later, or yeah, thousands of years later, uh, doctors and scientists figured out that the blood clotting uh, mechanism is at a peak on day eight. So it's the best day to circumcise boys, and God knew that somehow. So Jesus was circumcised when he was eight days old. Definitely he was. All right. Uh, Muir asked the question, why did the disciples ask if the man was blind because of his sin or the sin of his parents? Okay, well, we've got a Bible student here, and we're looking at John chapter 9, uh, verses 1 and 2. There's a larger part of the story, but um, we'll read these verses. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Well, it, it was a common belief at the time, and there is a, even a theology today, uh, retrib uh, retribution theology that, uh, you know, when you sin, there's a consequence and God might make you blind and, and, uh, or cause your children to suffer in some way. And, uh, that was apparently what the apostles believed. This man was blind. It was a terrible thing. It meant that he was very limited, certainly in that society. And, uh, they wanted to know what, what was the cause of this. Somebody must be to blame for that. Um, now, we know that some sin may cause some suffering. Uh, there are, you know, sad stories of, of innocent people maybe getting hit by a drunk driver, and and uh, they suffer. They uh, are paraplegic or quadriplegic. They 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 their families suffer. It's a terrible thing, and. And people may think, well, did, was God angry at that person? Why did this terrible thing happen to this innocent person? Um, so while sin may cause some suffering, not all suffering is tied to sin. And we understand uh, why that's true, because in Jesus' response to their question, John chapter 9, verse 3, which is not on the screen, but here's what he said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Um, so uh, why the disciples asked? It was a commonly held belief at the time, and Jesus corrected their thinking and said, not, not every, every suffering or bad thing is a punishment of God. So uh, sometimes it helps just to read a verse ahead. So yep. that helps you. Good point. You read the book of Job and you hear a lot of that. Yep. Job's friends say, yep. Well, you had to do something wrong to, up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to, to get in all this trouble. You did something wrong. <laughs> all right. We're glad you've been with us today. We want to make sure we answer our trivia question before we quit. And we ask about King David. Uh, what was his first occupation before he got to be a king? And it was a pretty lowly job. He was a shepherd. Uh, he took care of his father's sheep and uh, somehow got promoted to that to kingship. So a pretty good career path. 
for for, for David and go from taking care of sheep to being the king. Uh, and sometimes I'm sure he wished he was just a shepherd again when yeah. he had some of the headaches of being a king. We're glad you've been with us today, and we're going to come back next week and try to answer a bunch more of your questions, but uh, and hope you can join us then. Until then, we hope you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.